Well, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. What is this? Six losses in seven games? Feels good, doesn't it? Uh, welcome to Teal Town USA After Dark. Holy hell. Kill me. Kill me now. <laughs> All right. We go live after every single Sharks game. That's what we do here at Teal Town USA. Tonight, I am your host, AJ Strong, and with me, Ian Reed. Uh, hey, opening uh, opening impressions of this one. I, you know what? I thought overall the Sharks played a better game. Um, and then what happened? Was, well, they lost. <laughs> they lost. But I think if you look at if, if you look at the overall game, I thought this game checked a lot of the boxes that hadn't been checked through basically the entire road trip. Like, you know, I go back to the win in Montreal, which I thought really wasn't that great of a game from the Sharks. So um, this game was a step in the right direction. If you can call it that. All right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. I am telling you. All right. So let's get into this one, guys. Despite an overwhelming abundance of shots on the clock for the Sharks, it would be a loss. Let's get into it. the first one. Uh, well, actually, let's start from just the beginning of this game. Kevin Kurz from The Athletic, friend of the show, uh, reporting on Twitter that during the team introductions, EK65 caught some booze from the audience. That And when I say booze from the audience, I mean the people that were actually there because from All what seven of them. Yeah. From what we heard and puck guy was there tonight. Uh, not the fullest we've ever seen the tank. <laughs> no. We're just going to say a little bit empty. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the actual game is uh, what happened to the defensive pairs. We heard from practice this morning, whether it was uh, our buddy Shalena or Pashelka, that the deep pairing was going to include, there was going to be some shakeups, and it was going to include Ferraro with Burns, Vlasic down with EK, and then Dylan with Heed. And for some reason, that's not how tonight started. But anyway, uh, Bork would get things set off in the score. one nothing for the Jets. Starting all from a bad pass from EK65. Now, it looked like the puck was bouncing a little bit. Can't blame it on the CUDA. They didn't play today, but not well, the greatest. We can always blame the CUDA. In fact, I'm just going to blame everything on the Barracuda from here henceforth. Yeah, those assholes lost today, too. <laughs> At least they got a point. Uh, but, I mean, not the greatest pass. I think EK could have went the other way. But um, what, what do you take from that first goal? It's the Sharks. I mean, this is kind of the goal's been pretty indicative of um, how they've pretty much played this year. A lot of mistakes like that have ended up going in the back of the net. Yeah, sure. Be nice if we had a goalie that could stop one of those from time to time. Uh, a little bit later in that uh, in that period, just with I think I think it was about what, but just a scotch. Over a minute left, Logan Couture would get called for one of the weakest interference calls I've ever seen on the face of this planet. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it at some point, I want to see, like, review happen just so, so somebody from Toronto can go to the refs. Really? That's what you called? <laughs> like, I want to see a call from Toronto go, yeah, the refs totally botched that one. Thank you. I just want to see, like, 
because something that the league does do is they will generally send out like even if people don't get generally like called for embellishment they still send out like their naughty list of embellishers and i hope pros on it (laughs) you're not lying oh boy but to uh, get to the second, 318 in, Goodrow would put it in from Brodzinski and Vlasic. Uh, nice snipe, and it's one of the, the good things that you can say about this team is that, it well, at least the guys on the fourth line, whether it's Gambrell, who obviously is going to be out for this weekend after having an injury to his hand, but Goodrow, Vla, or Vlasic, uh, Goodrow, um, Gambrell, those lower tier guys are playing well. Sure would be nice if we saw a little bit more from the top, but it was nice though, because like the one thing that I can say about this goal was it was it was a quick just it was a nice bang bang play, pass shot in. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like you know, we'll get to this later in the game, but I thought in later of the game, I know I tweeted this. I'm like, you know, if you're gonna wait for six foot fourteen million of, you know, Connor Hellebuck to get set, he's gonna stop the puck. And I thought that there was a lot of you know, opportunities to shoot where people kind of waited for like the more perfect shot. And you need like for a goalie that takes up as much of the net as Hellebuck does, you need to get him moving around. You can't get him, let him get set. And, you know, the key to this goal was they didn't let Connor Hellebuck get set. Nice, quick pass, bang, bang, done. Good. Yeah. And I'm adding this to, uh, (laughs) to the cast real quickly. If I can just scotch it down just a little bit. There we go. Uh, yeah, just another energy. We're sorry for the hand pass in the five minute major already. No, I totally get what you're saying. I am, that's every time I see one of these silly penalties, like the one that Couture pulled tonight, I just look at it and go, dude, like when's it going to be enough? Like, when do you get enough calls the other way where you finally go, okay, they've paid for it. We can stop with it. But anyway, um, just after the good row call, EK 65 gets beat for a huge chance against, uh, while, while the sharks were on the power play. And that was one of the few, unfortunately that Jones did come up with a huge save. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this game, you know, could have been worse, you know, three, two, I don't know. It's really weird to look at it because you look at the shots on goal. You look at some of the numbers that way and you just go, Wow, it seems like it must have been an amazing game for the Sharks to put up 53 shots and yet still lose 3-2. to two. Okay, whatever. Then, a little bit later, uh, Evander Kane would, would score. At least we all thought he did, but it's called off. Goalie interference, uh, word from Toronto was Kevin LeBanc. I, I don't know, said something about Hellebuck's mother or something and threw him off. And so, boom, it's waved off. What I mean, your thoughts on that waved goal? I didn't like it. I mean, normally I am not one to go after the officials very heavily, but this was, I don't understand how, I, I mean, I, I read what they said and they said like, you know, Kevin LeBanc's stick uh, pushed his pad or something, but I don't look at the, the, there was nothing but white in the blue paint and the Sharks weren't wearing white tonight. They're wearing very little white because they're wearing their stealth jerseys. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like this call. I, I, you know, it's, there's consistency issues with these goaltender interference calls. I didn't like it. It is what it is. I, I don't, 
I won't look at that and point to that being the reason they lost it. It'd be really easy to just scapegoat the refs here, but I, I'm not going to go that far, but it certainly didn't help. It didn't help. And you we're also talking about a power play that had been performing really well uh, mm-hmm. up until the last game or so, you know, 0 for 2 tonight, unfortunately. Uh, and then very quickly after Kane's, you know, what we all thought was a goal gets waved off, uh, just like flashbang, boom. Uh, Wheeler would score. I felt like Brent Burns got caught up high and Jones overcommitted. That was the goal for me that I looked at Jones and I was just like, okay, I can perhaps forgive you for the first one. I, I can't forgive you for that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I, I'm tired with like, look at what's Jones save percentage. It's, it's, it's below 900. I don't oh, care yeah. how bad the team is at this point. You're a starting goaltender with your save percentage below 900. You suck. And I'm not even, I'm done babying Jones and being like, oh, well, maybe everyone else needs to be right. No, Jones sucks. <laughs> Jones hasn't been good. Like he had, he gets, he gets hot for a little bit in the playoffs and then everyone thinks he's great again. But let's be honest here. You look at last season, you look at this season, he hasn't been good. Like he, you, you need your goalie to be good for longer than, you know, nine or 10 games at a time. Like if you want to win in this league. You know, you can go and scapegoat the officials for the Sharks losing this game, but it's Martin Jones. The offense did their job. Yeah, They I mean, put a ton of shots on net, and the difference in this game was the Winnipeg Jets got save after save after save. And I'm not saying that the Sharks got a ton of, you know, they, they, did, get a, they did get a fair bit of shots on goal. I don't think a, ton, like a lot of them probably weren't of the super difficult variety. They could have been if they would have passed and shot quicker. I yeah. think instead of letting Hellebuck get set, but the offense did their job. Like the Sharks played the best game they've probably played in, you know, how long was that road trip? Six games. Oh, I, I, yeah, I think you could make an argument that they played the best game since the season. Well, they, yeah, it, it'd be up there. I, I, I still like that last, the first game they played against Buffalo and they lost. I didn't really hate that game from the Sharks. I didn't really hate this one either. Yeah, no, I get it. It's, it, but that, that's the other thing is that when when you hear people trying to defend Jones and blame it on the defense, this is one of those games where you point to and you go, well, what was the issue here? You know, 19 shots on goal. There was the one thing is that we heard about from Peter DeBoer, you know, we got to limit the shots, we got to limit the chances. The Sharks did an adequate job of that, 19 shots yep. on goal, and they, they, they were, they look at, if you want to look at like some of the other numbers that I've used to bury the sharks over this road trip, I mean, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm a fair guy. Look, the sharks, the underlying numbers, the advanced stats or whatever the hell you want to call them. They were fantastic tonight. The sharks yeah. outpossessed the jets significantly. Um, they still, you know, um, per natural hat trick, they, they did have a lot of high danger shot, like high danger chances. I'll bring it up right now. Because I do have it in front of me. Um, so nat- um, per natural stat trick, um, which is the numbers I've been using to bury the sharks. So it's only fair that I of use course. them when they're when they're positive. Be consistent. Um, Be consistent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, the sharks had, uh, uh, by their count, they had 34 sc- um, scoring chances. And 17 of those were high danger. Um, on the Jets side, there's 13 scoring chances, two high danger shots. And you have three goals against. Like... 
that's unacceptable. There's no, I don't care how you want to candy coat it. That's not good. Martin Jones has to be better than that. And he hasn't been consistently now. And you know what, Brody and them, I love those guys. You know, I love those guys and they can sugarcoat this as much as they want. Reality is Jones sucks. He has to be better. And I'm lost faith in the fact that he can be better at this point for longer than a few games at a time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be that, that spot start that, that one where you just look at him and you go, Oh, Oh my God, that's the Jones that we all know and remember. And yeah, great. He can put it together for one game. When is he going to put it together for a streak of five games? We all know Dell's going to get the start tomorrow against Vancouver. We'll see if anything changes. We'll see if we get, you know, another 50 shots on goal tomorrow. But it's... it. Ugh. Anyway. Winnipeg's defense, and, and the other thing I want to point out too, and I, I'm not trying to detract from what the Sharks did tonight, but Winnipeg's defense has been an adventure this season. I mean, there's no Jacob Truba there anymore. Dustin Bufflin's not there right now. I mean, this they lost like a whole side of their defense over the summer, and not exactly, it's not, it's not the star-studded defense that we're used to seeing on that side of the ice. Now, I'm not trying to do say that to detract from, the, from, from the, what the Sharks did tonight, but... I think it is important to point out I'm not expecting another 50 shots against the Canucks tomorrow. Yeah. And Chris saying frustrating loss, step in the right direction. Absolutely. But right about now, that's all we can ask for. That's that's sad. <laughs> that's all we can ask for. I'm just saying. Oh, well, in, you do, hold on. Wait a minute. You donate to the Super Chat. You automatically take precedent. Thank you very much. Randy G, $10 for Ian's sexy tough love rant. We love it. What I'm here for Thank you very much, sir. You throw in the super chat, ladies and gentlemen, you automatically take precedent. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> can I just say something though? Like, absolutely. This, this is one of those, this is one of those wins though, where you kind of, you can feel pretty good after. I mean, it didn't happen. Like, like I always feel like when you lose a game where it looks like you should win, sometimes that is like kind of a telltale that things are going to turn that didn't happen in the Buffalo loss, obviously, as we went on the road and just got killed. Um, (laughs) But you're hoping like, you know, first game back at home, some home cooking and, you know, losing a game like that where you should have won. Sometimes that's the catalyst and you can rip off a few wins after that. So I wouldn't be shocked to see the Sharks if they can continue playing the way they did and get a save or two. Um, You know, they might rip off a couple wins coming off of this. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, 10 of the next 13 are at home. They don't leave the Pacific time zone for the entirety of the month of November until the final day. So, and it, and it's to Arizona. It's not like they're mm-hmm. going cross country. So, I mean, this is literally the time to try to put some points on the board and figure out what in the world you're doing. Let's get back into the finish off this game, at least for sure. now. The third period starts, uh, you know, Sharks are, you know, <laughs> Sharks are down 2-1, but they get one back early, 49 seconds, and Tomas Hurdle tips a cane shot. Great play, all around awesome, and you totally right there went full-blown like dumb and dumber, so you're telling me we have a chance, and I was right there Definitely. with it. And you looked at the shot counter that just kept going higher and higher for the Sharks. And it's like, God, they keep putting rubber on net. They're going to get through this. Uh, and then during the third period, there were a lot of exchanging of chances. But, you know, uh, quantity over quality. 
despite all the rubber that they put on Hellebuck, it would not come to fruition yet at 1836 with just over a minute and a half left. Uh, Ellers would throw it in and that was all she wrote, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, a little bit of a fluky play, but. But again, a save Jones has to make when you're only facing yeah. 19 shots on goal. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, he finished the night with an 860, 862, right? Let me make sure I get that. No, I'm sorry, 842. And yeah. that's another point where it, it's one of the things that, that makes me, that, that drives me crazy is, uh, I'm sorry, Nick, I, mi- I missed what your question is. Please ask it again. Uh, but that's one of the things that go, drives me crazy with the defenders is they, they sit there and go, it's not all Jones's fault, you know. They're hanging them out to they're hanging them out to dry. They're giving up all these chances, and then you turn around and you, the other ones go, "Jones sucks. He's got to stop." I'm just I'm tired of all the the contrarian, the back and forth. The sure, everything. I mean Connor Hellebuck got cut out hanging out to dry this game, and and guess what? The Jets won. So, yeah. dude like, came up with. Don't all tell me. Don't tell saves. me like Connor Hellebuck didn't get hung out to dry tonight by the defense. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I can't, like, this team, like, obviously, look at Martin. Is Martin Jones the only problem with this team? No. Is Martin Jones a significant problem with this team? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, here, let's have some fun. Okay. Uh, so, Nick Neftepitz, buddy of the show, Nick. saying, hey, somewhat serious. Can we talk about, you know, EK65 taking Burns' spot as moving to forward? <laughs> I'd put Burns to Ford before Carlson. I just I think he'd be a bigger threat. Yeah. No, I totally get you. But he plays the, a bigger game too. Well, and that, it's funny. This is something that Jerk and I talked about on the Pucknologist this week is that there are some teams you can have one of these guys, these freewheeling haphazard defensemen that are just completely driven by offense and and it works for you. And it goes and it goes. But when you have two of them, doesn't it's it's not working this uh, a lot of people are looking at and this saying this is way. going to be the second coming of like pronger and niedermeyer 10 years ago and it so is not yeah but here's the difference like pronger and Niedermeyer. like no one wanted to play against pronger <laughs> tell me a player on the sharks that that people other than like i you know in your and in, in your interview with with remenda you know he kind of spelled so really other than brendan Dillon, who on the sharks do you not want to play against as a defender like you watched what they did. Um, I think it was Tanev just destroyed Sorensen for for daring to even be anywhere near the blue paint. You haven't seen that really from the Sharks this year. Not at all. Not at all. Right, and that's why I like I tweeted. I'm like, Marcus Sorensen isn't like used to seeing you know getting killed like that because he hasn't seen that from his defense all year. Like outside of Dylan, who I think you know is probably like the only real physical physical enough guy in my opinion on the on the blue line. For the Sharks. No, I absolutely agree with you. Let me stretch out Chris's <laughs> comment here. Yeah. When you talk about the defense, don't forget about the unreliable goalie. <laughs> well, that's the problem, right? Like it's, it's, it's that's, and that's the problem is not only do you have, you know, a little bit too much freewheeling on the defensive side of the puck, but when you count, when you can't count on your goalie to make, saves at a rate that an NHL goalie should be expected to make saves at. And I'm sorry, like you can, you know, 
You want to talk about sample size? Well, we got a whole sample size of of games last season to go off of too. Like this, ugh. I'm always here to bury somebody. Sorry, Martin Jones. <laughs> no, and uh, dude, I totally get what you're saying, man. And it, it's funny that you know I, I talked to Nick Nolenberger, the voice of the Barracuda. I talked to Drew Remenda yesterday. Uh, if you haven't heard those, they're on TealTownUSA.com. They're on our YouTube channel. Go check them out or your favorite podcast catcher, hashtag shameless plug. Go look at those. Um, I mean, sorry, Cornosh putting together a string of some really good games. Now, granted, only six games, but he's got two shutouts. And tonight, while the Sharks were playing, the Barracuda fell 3-2 in the shootout versus the best team in the Pacific and one of the best teams in the AHL right now. I think right now they've got like 35, 36 goals for that mm-hmm. Stockton is doing really well. And Cornosh and the Barracuda did an admirable job tonight. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have the goals against that um, Cornosh had to face. But it, I mean, at some point, <laughs> I mean, what else do you do? What other option do you have in between the pipes if you're the Sharks? I mean, Jones isn't getting it done. Dell isn't getting it done. It's not like you have money to go look at somebody else. What's your other option? Oh, here's Cornash, one of only two goalies that has multiple shutouts in the AHL. Perhaps we give him a chance. Oof, that's so rough, though, because like I, I understand like the idea there. I just, you know, this is a guy who this is his first season as a starter in the AHL. Like I just. It's hard because you don't want to, because if you pull him out, you pull him up, and then he gets just destroyed. Then what, right? Like not yeah, only you don't want to bury his confidence. You you don't want to bury. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna bury his confidence on a. You know, it's it's hard because you, you you know, it's 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 tempting because obviously you look at you know um, a lot of people like to bring up St. Louis and it, it drives me crazy. Oh, but, Jesus Christ. If you say Jordan Bennington, I well, that, but that's it, right? Like Jordan Bennington was oh, the guy who was playing in the ECHL came up, played, I, but I'm just saying that's, but that's the, I, you, if, when you look at the majority of the people that are making this suggestion, that's the first thing they point to. Oh, well, this guy was playing in the ECHL, came in the NHL, won a Stanley Cup. Like, yeah, but I just like Coronash is a guy who is, is groomed to be, <laughs> he's a guy. Who he, is no, he, a guy he's, who's always no, he's been going a guy. to be the he's going to be he, <laughs> like he's a guy they're grooming to be like the guy like he is the crown prince yeah right now um they, 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 and boy that kid's got a melon uh you know what though we 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 talked about the cuda yet we failed to do what we always need to do Ooh, barracuda I'm just saying if we're going to talk about him we got to roll it uh, fair enough. <laughs> But geez, it just, I mean, the calls are just going to keep going and going and going for Cornosh if, you know, Dell and Jones continue to shit the bed, which is. Say hi to our Price in the chat there. Who now? Price, you just said our discussion on. Uh, from oh! Let's Your discussion on Jones sounds identical to our discussions on Let's Go Blues Radio about Jake Allen last season. Uh, first thing I want to say is Kurt, thanks for joining, man. Miss you yeah, guys. Man. We, when, when do we see you again? What, what is it like middle of December? We're going to, we're going to hook up with you. Oh, 21st, 21st. All right. You and me, Kurt and, uh, and good beer. That's what I'm just saying. Um, 
So, uh, oh, and since Kurt is watching, uh, a tip of the hat to Chris JWS for hooking Chris and those boys up with some amazing brew. So anyway, sure. uh, yeah, at this, it, I mean, honestly, six of seven and it's, it's not like it gets easier. I mean, you, you've got looking at the schedule here, Vancouver performing a little bit better than, you know, than most people expected. That's tomorrow, so you're on the second night of back-to-backs, unfortunately, but I can pull it up. I can pull it up. Give me a moment, people. Give me a moment. I will do it. (laughs) So the Vancouver Canucks, (laughs) while the Sharks played tonight, the Vancouver Canucks, what did they do? Well, the last game that they played was in L.A., so the Vancouver Canucks have literally been sitting the, – the Vancouver Canucks, honestly, were probably sitting in the arena tonight watching this game. Okay? You know, the last game they played was the 30th. So they're they're just sitting at SAP Center. So they're going to be nice and rested for – oh, no, uh, nope, my bad, my bad, all my bad. They played Anaheim tonight and lost in overtime. So they're traveling. So actually, that's going to be a pretty good matchup. You know, it's like you got a team that that's that's uh, <laughs> traveling, and they're going to be playing their second, and then you got the Sharks playing their second, and they're desperate. Then you got a Chicago team. Uh, I know that you like Chicago more than most. I do because they're like the land of broken toys. <laughs> and then you have Minnesota, who is just—I don't—I mean, how 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 much longer do they? Keep their head coach around. Is it, are they on like the, your top three of like first fired coaches for this Moving. season? Who, which team? Sorry, Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, maybe it's it's hard to say because like they they have an ownership group that seems to refuse to want to rebuild there. Like they don't want to tear it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I I, I kind of go back to like what I say with the Sharks. Right. It's a lot easier to you can't fire the players. So if you, if you're looking for a quick turnaround. Um, you know, the coach might be something that they might look at, but I haven't really paid as like, I don't want to pretend I'm an expert on the Minnesota wild right now. Cause I haven't really watched, um, much of their games. Well, for, from what I've seen, it, it's, it's not looking great. I know that the coach is already on the hot seat following that a week from tomorrow. You've got Nashville, you know, Nashville is going to come in and kick your ass. That's gonna be a rough game. Yeah. Yeah. And then following Edmonton, who right now, last time I looked top of the Pacific, doing things incredibly well. James Neal has come in and solidified this group. Get him they had a rough one last game, though. Their last game was pretty rough. Yeah, but you know what? You know, every team gets one night off. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, jettisoning Lucic, beautiful. Goalies playing better. Uh, Dreisaitl and Connor are just killing it right now. That's going to oh, yeah. be a great matchup. Again, if you didn't hear uh, about what's going on with Edmonton, check out my interview with Drew Remenda that rolled up last night. Towards the end of it, we talk a little bit about what's going on with the Oilers, and there was a good amount of talk about Connor and Dreisaitl. So, and in fact, Drew even talked about that. You know, when we get to that point, when we get to the twelfth, all right. So, six game homestand began tonight for mm-hmm. the Sharks. They're already, you know, 0-1. Where do we go from here? And what happens? I mean, you look at these teams. Minnesota, I feel good about 
Chicago mm-hmm. could be tight. Vancouver, Nashville, Edmonton. I almost feel like the like you can just throw those L's on the board already. It's going to be tough. I think if these six games, if the Sharks get out of this at 500, 3-3, three and three, it's a win for them at this point. At this point in the season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I feel like they, they have, like I like Chicago more than most, but I'm not ignorant to their flaws. I think defensively, this is defensively. They're another weak team. The Sharks should do well against Chicago, much like they did tonight against the weak defense <laughs> in Winnipeg. But again, and like they should have done well against Ottawa. <laughs> yes, you were they there. Done. I was there. That was uh, that was a. You know what? Uh, yeah, I was there. It was a good thing that uh, it was like. It was what it was, I think, because I, I left that game. I think I saved all my anger for the next game, which I was on air for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm telling you. So it's, again, at this point, like, I really, I, I don't know what has to change. I don't know what is going to solve this team, what is going to fix anything right now. Nobody seems to be like they're on the same playbook. Um, I just... Like on it, like this is the most dumbfounded about this team I've ever been. You look at the amount of money being spent on this blue line, and for the most part, defense, team defense. You look at the shots on goal; they did their job tonight. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah, there's 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 few high danger chances. They there's few shots on goal. I mean they they did their job. Maybe they didn't factor enough in offensively, but at the same time, you know you got to give Connor Hellebuck a lot of credit made a lot of saves tonight some of them yeah maybe a lot of them weren't the most difficult saves but um like i feel like you can't even count on jones for that so no i'm with you and just another randy g trade vlasic to montreal wouldn't we all love to do that but the fact of the matter is vlasic has a full no trade full no move not going anywhere type of it's a deal. Interesting though that the that the scouts that continue to be in attendance wherever the sharks <laughs> are from Montreal. Like that that yeah. still is kind of curious to me. I don't know if like that and that look at that doesn't mean anything as far as Vlasic goes, but you have to wonder and I'm not look at I don't think Vlasic's going anywhere, but if there's one place where he would probably be happy to go, it'd probably be Montreal, let's be honest. And at this point, I mean, how great would it be to get un- up underneath that contract, right? And again, I go back to the whole thing is I think Ferraro is making other guys on that team, especially on the left side, as Vlasic is, look bad. Oh, I, I definitely. Look, I mean, the left, the left, really, the left side hasn't really been the Sharks' problem aside from maybe Vlasic. Like, I, I haven't been really impressive with how Vlasic has been thus far. And I feel like, look, I, I, I think the Sharks are getting good hockey out of Brandon Dillon. Um, and I think they're getting good hockey out of Mario Ferraro. You get Radim Shimmick back. Now, I'm not saying Shimmick's like going to be this universal, the, you know, the unicorn defenseman that's going to make everything all better. And, um, but I mean, you know, from all accounts, he sounds like he had a pretty good conditioning stint with the Barracuda. He's probably going to be playing either today or tomorrow. Um, so, you know, if you get Shimmick back and if you can get decent hockey out of Shimmick, now you're, you've got one, you know, someone, something's got to give on the left side because of the way Peter DeBoer coaches. Now, 
Peter DeBoer coaching again. We all know where I kind of stand there. I'm not going to, you know, we know how this team is. Like Peter DeBoer, if he goes fantastic, I will be the first one shooting off firecrackers on the show and celebrating like <laughs> we won 16 Stanley Cups. But uh, with things being the way they are, I, you know, you're going to have to get out, out from one of these contracts on the blue line. And if Vlasic is looking the way Vlasic has so far, and I look at, I'm like, normally I'm a big Mark Edward Vlasic guy, so it pains me to say this, but th- like with the way he's been playing so far, it hasn't been good. No. And I, I'm genuinely worried about having Vlasic signed a- as long as we do. Um, so oh, I mean, if, I'm so nervous about that deal, right? Yeah. Now. You know, I look at, and I, I'm look, I don't like any, like, I really don't like long-term deals. I understand they're, uh, they're the way the NHL is, but I, I don't like, you know, it's a necessary I'm, evil. It is a necessary evil. And I don't, I, I don't want to see the sharks if they hold on to all these contracts and what all these players look like at the end of those contracts. Yeah. Like I'm terrified of that, but you know, it's tomorrow's problem. Um, I, you know, if you could get out from under one of these defensive contracts and, you know, and it happens more good of plastic, look, that's $7 million you can reallocate up front. And if you can get, I'm, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's hard because, you know, you, you, you can't get too in love with what a player's done and you have to be worried about what a player might do. And if this is a sign of things to come with plastic, then if you can get $7 million out from under cap season, you have to retain some salary, big deal, um, and Oof. and have that money to reallocate up front. Fantastic, especially especially if Brendan Dillon keeps playing and you can lock him up, keep him in San Jose. Maybe not for you know max term contract, but keep him in San Jose uh, if he keeps playing the way he is. And if you can get good cheap hockey out of Shimmick and well, hold on. And, so that's let, hold on. Yeah, no. Let, let me address that, but let's hit a couple uh, comments. Sure. Uh, Brett saying Vlasic, Jones, and Dell for for Carey Price. Why on earth would Montreal make that deal? Why on earth would Montreal want two shitty goalies and a defenseman on the decline for a goalie that gets it done against anybody but San Jose? <laughs> yeah, why would they want that? Like, Carey Price's best games have not come in San Jose. Yeah, uh, Adam Wire, <laughs> great interview with Remenda. Thank you very much. We appreciate Absolutely. that. Um, yeah, it's this is the th- again. I don't think it's funny. I don't think the Sharks were prepared for Ferraro to be playing as well as he is. I don't think the Sharks were prepared for the youngins at forward, whether it's Bergman, Shemlevsky, Chekovic, or Chekovic, depending on your wherever you live. Sure, uh, Bergman. I don't think that they were ready for Ferraro to perform that well or the forwards to not perform as much as they were expecting. Maybe that's part of it as well. Uh, either way, I, I still, I'm still left quizzical with the signings of Prout and Carrick. And at some point, if everybody's healthy, I mean, how many goddamn def- defensemen do you need? Now, I mean, you're, t- you're talking, you know, the top, if it's Shimmick Burns, okay, then you got mm-hmm. Dylan Carlson, then you got, what, uh, Heed Ferraro, and then after that, what, is, I mean, Prout, Carrick, Middleton, Heed, how many goddamn, you know, like, how many, <laughs> yeah. how many defensemen are you rolling with this season? Now, granted, 
it's almost kind of like they, you know, they should get foreseen points from hockey jerk because the amount of injuries that have played into this. But I'm just like, fast forward a month from now, say Shimmick is all good to go. Mm-hmm. I, just, I don't know. That's really weird. And the other thing that we need to talk about for a hot second, oddly enough, two games played today by San Jose hockey teams, Barracuda, Sharks, Redeem Shimmick played in neither. And I don't know why, because Redeem Shimmick played just a couple days ago, to, you know, for on on Wednesday uh, for the I eleven a.m. school game, and yeah, he got, he got an assist on the fifth goal. Looked really comfortable. Looked good. Got a couple blocks, plus one shot on goal. Look, oh, excuse me. Uh, but Redeem looked good. It makes me wonder why didn't he play today when there were literally two opportunities. I wouldn't be shocked if he's like I I I wonder if he plays tomorrow. For, for the sure. <laughs> really, you think he might have been just like up in the press box watching shit? Possible. Um, I mean, there's it's the Barracuda have just uh, they have a lot of options right now too. Like I don't think Shemilevsky played today either. No, that was a buzz. No, was it Shemilevsky or Chekovic? Yeah, no, Chekovic played. Shemilevsky wasn't uh, from the lines that I saw. uh, Shemilevsky didn't play either. And I think it's just there's a there's a part of that where it's just the Sharks have a lot, the Barracuda have a lot of guys down there. That's the one of the drawbacks in not having an ECHL team Mm, is it's hard to get your guys to get regular reps in. So the Barracuda do have to you know shuffle some guys in and out just to make sure they keep guys fresh. Yeah. And Andy Man Pony, you know, the Sharks are playing with 5D and Heat. That's, you know, that's a valid point when you look at the the time on ice tonight. Uh, Heat rolled with, actually, it was a really good night for Heat, 1126. Yep. Yeah. yeah was, that, that's kind of what you'd, that's what and you'd he like had to see a, your sixth defenseman play. Yeah. And he had a really good look tonight for a shot. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, look at the guy's got a shot. We've, I, I think we've known that for for a long time. I I I don't dislike Tim Heed, but like I think there's this misconception that I think Tim Heed's the the greatest thing. My anger with Tim Heed's ice time doesn't have to do with Tim Heed specifically. My anger has to do with burning out why, the top guys. Why, right? If if if, if Teeter DeBoer isn't going to play Tim Heed, it's not it's not so much a why isn't Tim Heed playing? Is it's it's why hasn't Doug Wilson? supplied Peter DeBoer with a guy that he can trust to play for 12 minutes a game. Yeah. That's, well, and- that's where my anger has been. Like, I understand some people, like, they hear me rant, and they're like, oh, well, why do you think Tim Heed's so great? I don't think Tim Heed's the greatest defenseman ever. I think he's a serviceable guy. I think that, um, you know, um, maybe for a different coach, he might get different opportunities that might play to his strengths better. Right. But it's it's not... It's my, my, my gripe has never been, you know, because I think Tim Heat is the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. I think he's a serviceable guy, but he's a guy. It's it's the fact that Peter DeBoer constantly plays his defenseman, you know, he, he handicaps his own team. And and then we wonder why Bart Burns <laughs> is taking all these stupid holding penalties at the end of the game. The well, starfish crap, defensive posture, baby. Right, because he's exhausted. That's my gripe. <laughs> Well, Puck Guy uh, saying, you know, maybe too much pressure on Sasha Ivan. And, of course, we have to spell these out for other people. Uh, you know, Schmolevsky, Chikovic, Blickfeld, too much pressure on them. I don't know that there is. Uh, now, granted, on the other side, 
Bergman has come in and like lit it up for the CUDA. You know, it was like like six points in four games. I mean, he's looking solid. Great winger option. Will he be able to make the jump to the Sharks soon? Well, they could certainly use the help on right wing, but remains to be seen. Here's another one. Let's throw it in here because it's a big one. Jared, here's a question for you, Ian and AJ. Do you mm-hmm. think the readiness of the Sharks organization has been a casualty as of late preparing for the season? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> no, I, I think like I, I I think I I think what he's mean just, just something we've we've talked about a lot, right? Like the the sharks. I'm I'm assuming like in, in the sense of maybe they overestimated some of the guys that they had. Like when they came into the season, the the the, the message the, the the message we got from Doug Wilson was the young guys were going to get a chance to take the the slots that were open. Before we signed Marlowe, before anything else. And so obviously like, that like 14, didn't 15. happen. Like 14, Correct. 15. Yeah. Yeah. And that didn't happen. And yeah, I, I think that the Sharks did enter the season with maybe a few too many question marks. I'll give you that. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think that's, that's in dispute. I think that's something we've talked about at length. Um, the Sharks came into the season with too many question marks. And yeah, I mean, they got off to a slow start. And that's been a big part of it. I mean, look at they had to go sign Patrick Marlowe. Look, <laughs> signing Patrick Marlowe wasn't in the plan before the season got off to the start. It did. It was. No. It was not in the plans. Like it was. It was fortunate for the Sharks, I guess, that he was there when he was. Um, but I mean, for the you know for the games that they looked better after Patrick Marlowe came in. But I. I don't know. Like I, again, you know, there's, there's, it's hard. Cause like we're, we're fans too, right? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, we watch the games, um, we're fans. Like we, we grow attached to guys and Patrick Marlowe, I'm always going to have a soft spot for, but at the same time, like after that first couple of games, I don't know why Patrick Marlowe, what he's done to be so firmly glued to the first line. Yeah. No, myself, same, same, same again. We know PDB is the kind of the devil you know. Uh, Nick asking, uh, you know, where was Gambrell tonight? Uh, Gambrell uh, was out. Yeah, he's injured. He had some sort of an hand injury. Uh, I would imagine from, like, punching one of the other sharks in the face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, he blocked a shot, and uh, he took a puck in the hand. Yeah, but, you know, stuff happens. Uh, anyway, I think we've pretty much... Buried this one, burned it in effigy, threw it into the ground. <laughs> Just somebody break the spit out so we can throw a roasting pig on top of it. It's, it is what it is, people. This is, let's see here, one, two, three, four, four straight losses and like six of seven, including the overtime versus Buffalo. I guarantee you we're going to see Aaron Dell tomorrow. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. At this point, I'm just going to guarantee you we're not going to see Jones tomorrow. There I you can't, go. Yeah, I can't tell you who's going to be. Jesus Christ. They might put Nabokov in Dell's clothes tomorrow. I have no idea. Uh, this is – it's out of hand at this yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, look, it's going to be Aaron Dell. I mean, I think I, – I really would be leery of putting Cornish into this mess because I think he's the guy you're grooming to be the yeah. guy and getting him 
starts because look at Jones is the guy until he's broken or <laughs> Peter DePorce fired. Jones is going to be the guy. Um, look at I mean we other than Ferraro and then look at Ferraro. You know Ferraro's done a lot to to earn Peter DeBoer's trust, but I mean that guy has worked for it. Um, oh, dude, I'm loving me some Ferraro so far this season. Right, and I think, but I, you know, like I just I can't see Peter DeBoer being a guy that's just going to turn the net over to a guy with no NHL games. Like that's just not Peter DeBoer. Yeah. Well, let, let's jump on something here that sure. Nick Nick has asked. Uh, does LeBanc have a no trade clause? He could bring a first or second rounder. Couldn't pay LeBanc, LeBanc is for too answer. young for a no anything clause. Well, yeah, LeBanc right now is on a one year, one million dollar deal. Clearly, because he didn't have arbitration rights this season, he will get them next. But you, I think you have to be twenty five to get like to get a no trade or no move. I think you have to be over twenty five, like twenty five and older. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, that sounds right. So, but you look into the fact of you sit there and say, oh, you know, LeBanc's going to cost a lot next season that may in fact be the case but who could be coming off the books next season well Th- joe thornton is making two million right now potentially comes off the book 700k to patrick marlow potentially comes off the book johnny brudzinski 700k uh you know uh brendan Dillon. Uh, that right now that is I think well hold on let's let's move a little bit further 1.9 million for Aaron Dell who comes off the books but the yeah, big that's one done. yeah that's done the big one for me 3.2 almost 3.3 million for Brendan Dillon I'm not saying that Dillon is not worth that I'm saying that that if you're not going to move one of the other guys, you have to move Dylan. Yeah, it's like he literally might be the only one left. Oh, let me drop my shoulder so you can get a little bit of my pussy over here. Uh, <laughs> like Dylan might be the one piece that you have that will actually fetch something of value. Yes, and oh, the and, Paul and, Martin buyout. Yes, yeah, the Paul Martin buyout. Forgot about that, which I think gives you like another like 1.4 somewhere in that ne- ne- mm-hmm. neck of the woods. So uh, you look at that, like there's going to be some decent amount of money coming off the books. Is LeBanc going to look for a Timo-esque deal? Wouldn't surprise me. Maybe a little less, but I, it wouldn't. He's su- going to have to put the points up to earn that though. Well, and but he's betting on himself this no, season. Sure. So we'll see what happens with that. It's, it's, it's going to, you know, and, and God damn, can you imagine if, Le, you know, LeBanc, Signing this deal before the season started, thinking, you know, like, oh my God, our defense is so boss. And we got this and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> We're going to wreck shop. And LeBanc is just sitting there, like, literally just uh, one million, uh, two million, uh, three million, like, just counting his ducats. Yeah. And now, you know, we're 14 games in, and now it's just like, fuck, man, are, are, is this team even going to make the playoffs? You know, Arizona uh, looks right. better. Edmonton looks better. Vancouver looks better. Like literally everybody except LA looks better in the Pacific. Well, that's <laughs> it, right? Because right now, unless with the way the Sharks have played, like tonight they played good. Don't get me wrong. And I don't want to take anything away from the game they played tonight. But that has been the exception, not the rule so far this season. Mm-hmm. Like there's really only, I can think of like a, a handful of games where the Sharks have looked good. Like there was, they were good in the win. Um, 
when the the first two games where Marlowe was back, those games I thought they were pretty good. Um, those were the wins that they're you know there's the wins they're good in. They've had a couple of good games and a loss. Like I said, I really like the Buffalo game before they went on the road trip. I like their game tonight, um, but that's been the exception, not the rule. So um, right now, I mean, there there's a lot of climbing they have to do, and there's a lot of teams that are going to stand their way, like. With the exception, I, I'm i not afraid of Calgary and I'm not afraid of the Kings. But other than that, maybe not super afraid of the Coyotes either just because um, anti-rant is put together with duct tape at this point. Oh, jeez. And they're, yeah, they're anti-rant. They're, they're, you know, unfortunately, that's the crappy thing for the Coyotes. I always feel like they're just an anti-rant injury from their season just being blown. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, Vancouver's been better. Edmonton's been better. Vancouver, you know, I sorry I said Vancouver, didn't I? Um, <laughs> Vegas is still Vegas, you know, as much as we don't like to, uh, you know, we don't like to give them props, but Vegas is still very much Vegas. Yeah. Um, so it's... there's, it's, it's going to be a tough climb. And like, you know, like Drew said, it's, you know, it's not too late yet, but soon. Yeah. You better hurry up. Uh... Better hurry up. I can't remember the exact quote, but yeah, I mean, they're they're running they're running out of runway here. Oh, absolutely. And so, uh, who was it? Yeah, <laughs> God, I love you, Laurel. So, eighty-one watching and only nine likes. Come on, people. I know, right? Uh, so anyway, and yeah, tell a friend. Down. I'm sad. Yeah, come on, people. What's up? Uh, do us a favor. Hit the subscribe button. Come on, tell a friend. We're here trying to do, you know, trying to provide you some sort of content and entertainment. You got, you got to give me a thumbs down. F you. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, um, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is it's that time. The bad news is I don't have the rollout that Puck Guy usually has. So I'm going to have to do this on the fly. Have the goddamn common courtesy to give him a reach around. I hope that was good enough for everybody. So uh, we're going to blast through this. Flyers 4-3 over the Devils in the shootout. And I'm looking at that. And not a goddamn person involved in that game is a former Shark. So there you go. Islanders 5-2 over the Lightning in the, or I should say on the aisle. And when it comes to former Sharks alumni, Grice gets the victory there. Islanders a surprising nine three and zero right now. Capitals has been a really surprised. Like As you want to talk about teams underwhelming? Yes, Tampa's a huge underwhelmer at this point. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> Washington, oh my lord! Capitals over the Sabers six to one, and that's another one where you just kind of go. Capitals ten two and three. Looking pretty good there, Spanky. Uh, storm surge happened in Carolina once again, seven to three over the Detroit Red Wings. Well, let's just you know, call. I mean, that's you know, beating the Red Wings is almost like beating an AHL team at this point. Let's. So it's like beating the Sharks. Ouch! Just saying. Just saying. Uh, Aho with two goals in that power play goal and a shorty involved in that one. Uh, the Blues, 4-3 in overtime over the Jackets. Bennington getting yet another win, that goddamn rookie. Blues better themselves to an 8-3-3 three three, uh, 
record, if that's what we want to call it. <laughs> Perron getting a power play goal in overtime, eight seconds in. Oh man, I gotta go look at how bad the St. The, Louis. I mean, how bad did the Jackets f that up? <laughs> St. Louis is looking good so far, though. I mean, top of the like the Central has some really really good teams in it, though, and St. Louis continues to hang. Despite you know, St. Louis was a team that I think before the season a lot of players. You know, a lot of the pundits or experts or whatever you will, you want to call them. Um, you know, St. Louis is a team that a lot of people wrote off. They said, you know, this would be a bubble team, lucky to make the playoffs because the Central's so good, and there they sit. So, yeah, hey now, uh, Stars victorious two one over the Avalanche. Hints with two goal, or, uh, yes, two goals, one coming shorthanded, and Pavelski got an assist in this game. So good for you, Captain America. We give you a salute. And Ducks 2-1 over the Canucks. The Ducks not looking as bad. I mean, 9-6. and six. A lot of people thought they wouldn't be that great. Silverberg gets a shorty. God, there's a lot. John of Gibson, s- man. That's the whole thing, John Gibson. But looking at the stat sheet tonight, there's a lot of special teams markers coming up tonight. Uh, yeah, Marstrom takes the loss. Finally, as you know, Jets 3-2 over the Sharks. That's the way the night shakes out. We will be here with you tomorrow after Sharks-Vancouver. At some point, you have to think, just by the law of averages, the Sharks are going to win eventually. (laughs) And when I talked to Drew Remenda yesterday, that was my Halloween present, was talking to Drew Remenda, and I brought up the whole, you know, what was it, eleven seventy one and two back in mm-hmm. the second year at the Cow Palace. We're we're on our way, people, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I mean, this is just so. Let me just ask you, what what shoe is going to fall? Like, obviously, like you said, you can't fire the players. No, you have no salary cap room. Uh, like it, it just like. What do you do to right this ship? You can't, there's just no room really for any type of a major adjustment at, uh, you know, on the roster. There's no room money to bring in anybody. And again, I still go back to the whole idea of we were shown based on practice this morning, there were going to be some different pairings, Ferraro and Burns or whatever. But what happens? Puck is dropped and everybody's back with everybody that yeah. they're used to. I mean, I I'm not a Peter DeBoer guy. I think that, you know, I I, I understand, you know, um, the Kevin Kurz of the world who will, you know, point out that the Sharks have done pretty, you know, pretty well under Peter DeBoer. Sometimes I think that's in spite of Peter DeBoer, but they did their I, best I, with in, in year one. Which yep. is historically what he does. He does yeah, his best in year one, which almost leads me to believe that he relies on whoever he was replacing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, you know, some guys they they come in and you know guys like there's there's certain coaches that can come in and they can get something out of their players quickly before they just piss off their players and the players stop playing for them. True. Um, I I don't know if if Peter DeBoer would fall into that category, because you don't really hear much about Peter DeBoer. I mean, a lot of the guys that do fall into that category that you've seen, like Hitchcock, for example, the last couple of his spots hasn't worked out. So I don't know if that kind of coach can still really succeed in the NHL. So I don't know 
it'd be interesting like that's something i'd like to ask one of the players you know like what peter DeBoer is like to play for is he a, is yeah. he the quote-unquote players coach or is he you know the hard-ass guy and then you go to bob bugner when you're when you get a sad and he makes you feel better um <laughs> like I, I i'd be curious to i'd be curious to know how like the how the players feel about peter DeBoer. I I mean to a man they they say that the answer is in the room and and maybe it is but I I think at some point I think that's the party are, line but okay sure uh, you know and, and hockey players are are notorious for giving the party line um, I, I I think that at some point something has to give I I mean look at look at the how many empty seats were in the SAP Center and I I get it's the Winnipeg Jets and I know that Canadian teams generally don't draw that well like non you know not montreal and not toronto generally don't draw well but historically Um, the sharks have drawn well on friday and saturday night at exactly sap and when you have that few fans and And it's not like the warriors are tearing it up yeah well that too but you have that few of fans and you can still hear the people be uh booing ek65 when he's being introduced oofa uh jordan saying Wilson is a good GM. He just seems too nice. Uh, DeBoer got to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't disagree. And I, I look at, I'm not a huge Doug Wilson fan either. Like I, I give the devil his due. I think he's done a lot of good things, but you know, with the situation, the sharks are in now with some of these long-term contracts that are handed out, like kind of kicking the can down. Like again, this, this is a, thing that the entire league's doing so i don't want to like sound like i'm just harping on doug wilson but at some point i feel like you need you know someone to come over and and paint a new canvas no i i would completely agree with you my thing is uh and this is something i think we talked about on the pucknologist is wilson for me changed his mo for the longest time it was no deal longer than five years but I'm going to hand out no trades and no moves like they're candy on Halloween. And they've changed from that. And now it's like, no, I'm not going to give you no trade or no move, but I'm going to give you like max term. And either way, his hands, he's tied his own hands behind his back. And he has put all of his uh, just (laughs) everything has been thrown into the Eric, Eric Carlson basket. And sure. if, if Eric Carlson 20 games from now ends up being this just ridiculous point machine, we're all going to sit here and go, you know, oh my God, what a fantastic, you know, y- your foresight is amazing. But if 10, 15 games from now, when we're a third of the way into this and we're still sitting about the same place and Eric Carlson is still at like minus 12, minus 13, Granted, plus minus, not the end all be all of everything, but sure. it is an indicator. Fact of the matter is, if he's still sitting there like that, people are going to question that contract and they're going to question it for the next seven and a half years. Yeah. And look, I see Alex like in the chat saying, like, you know, like it's not Peter DeBoer's job to fill the barn. I get, look, and I'm not saying that Peter DeBoer is to fill the barn, but I think there is a crisis of confidence in this product. And if you look around, you look on social, I'm not saying look at social media. I understand that they, they are the minority and they're not the, you know, like we're, we're not the majority. I, I can't speak for every fan. I can only speak for myself, 
But if you look around and, you know, Peter DeBoer, not the most popular guy in this fan base right now. No. And I don't think, and that's not, that's the same when they win. That's the same when they lose. I, I you know, Peter DeBoer has kind of been kind of the go to the fan base for a while now. I'm not saying that, you know, firing Peter DeBoer, you know, that alone is going to bring people back. But if they fire Peter DeBoer and the season turns, and I'm not saying there's no guarantee that that would happen. I'm just saying (laughs) if that happened, that might restore a little faith that has been lost among the people who are, you know, going to the new arena over wherever it is that the Warriors are playing instead of coming to the tank. Well, and you're also talking about asking a GM who's never fired a coach midseason to fire a coach midseason. Like, that's just not Wilson's play. So Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, I'm not... Who am I a fan of? I'm a fan of lots of people. Like, <laughs> as, as much as Timo Meyer is letting me down right now, I'm a huge Timo Meyer guy. I'm, I'm a huge Thomas Hurdle guy. Uh, I love Brent Burns. Um, I, I am in the minority. I love Eric Carlson. I, I, you know, I, I, I under, I understand. I am unsure. The flaws. (laughs) I, I, I I get the flaws, but I am still a, an Eric Carlson guy. Like I understand the flaws in his game. I knew the, the bill of goods we were getting when the shark signed Eric Carlson. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, but either way we move on people. We will see you guys tomorrow night after Vancouver versus the Sharks. Uh, AJ, okay, this is my last comment because it's just okay. funny. AJ, why you have to give me a sad with your hockey truth? <laughs> I actually think it was Ian that was giving you more truth than I was. But anyway, <laughs> it is what it is, people. So tomorrow we will catch you with another episode of After Dark. <sighs> Following... Vancouver and San Jose. Lord help us. Can a brother buy a win one time? Just saying. Ian, where can the people find you on social media? Oh, look at that. It's right underneath your face, but go ahead. Uh, At Ian Blogs Hockey on the Twitter machine. Uh, You can come in and give me all your grief. I I will take it. Um, You can, I don't know, there was an Ottawa guy who's on the Twitter machine today who was trying to make me angry. If you'd like to try and make me angry, go ahead. You can try. I, it's, it's, it's funny because like, if I know, like if we get just into a naturally heated conversation, I might get angry. But like when I know you're just trying to piss me off, I usually just laugh. Yeah. Well, cause it's fine. Challenge accepted. Yes. Uh, (laughs) now I have good news and bad news for you people. Um, We'll start with I am AJ underscore strong on the social media, but my good news and bad news is the good news is we are playing. Uh, how does he do it again? Uh, somebody say Vancouver. I, 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 don't, I don't know how to do it. So the good news is we're playing Vancouver. The bad news is Puck Guy's going to the game. So you're not going to get his. You're going to have to wait until. Uh, when do we see Vancouver? Oh, boy. That Ooh. seems like there's a long stretch of games. You're going to have to wait until Saturday, December 14th to hear Puck Guy utter those famous words because he is going to be at the game tomorrow. Just saying. <laughs> so with that, everyone, thank you so much for checking out the, the, uh, the cast. I forgot. Keep it real. Keep it teal. 
Keep it real teal.